When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the PHNX Cardinals podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. They're giving all new customers a can't-miss offer right now. Bet just $1 on any football game this week and receive $200 in free bets instantly. I'm Sherson Sussell alongside Frank Sanders, Johnny Venerable. Guys, I actually put this in writing here. Like Ron Burgundy, I'm Cheerston Soussel because I keep forgetting to introduce all of us, but here we all are and uh, ready for another edition of the Cardinals podcast. I would hope by now you know who we are and we don't have to repeat it, but we're going to do it for the benefit of those who are just now tuning in. Well, dang it, I wrote it down, so we're saying it. It's good. It's good. We made it. We made it back, and I'm glad that we're here so we can discuss and talk and dive into some good stuff and educate our our people, man, and also – let them educate us. Yeah. If there's one thing I like to do, it's laugh. And last night's Manning broadcast for the Ravens Raiders game, fantastic game. But I think the best performances, in my opinion, might have come from Peyton and Eli because I was laughing the entire time. Yeah, it's funny. ESPN has tried to get Peyton Manning to do Monday Night Football like traditional color commentary no. since he retired. They've offered him like tens of millions of dollars to do it. He said no. He's done like a sideshow. And this year, he like finally caved and he's like, I guess I'll just do this simulcast, but you have to have my brother on it. And, you know, Peyton never does anything, you know, part of my French half ass. So he's got like the helmet on going nuts. <laughs> and Eli's just sitting there kind of dejected. So I- I'm with you. That that's the that helmet was a, that didn't fit. <laughs> his huge forehead. It makes me think Indianapolis had to like tailor his helmet back in the day probably it probably did oh without a doubt I mean Peyton's head is definitely large and definitely <laughs> what you see on TV is not it doesn't reflect the actual when you walk up to it it's his big brain right <laughs> I mean he has a lot of brain up there he definitely tried to put it on display the other day I he mean did. look the guy is one of the most intelligent quarterbacks you ever see um I call him the offensive coordinator of many any team he's ever been on because he literally breaks down and talk about stuff that the layman if you listen to it you would think that what the guy's almost talking like rocket science on some stuff that you just didn't make sense he's calling out plays that I don't even remember some of the stuff that he says and I just don't it's amazing how how well he's able to put it together and then explain it and break it down that segment if it wasn't called Step Brothers because they definitely look like the show Step Brothers and Will Ferrell and others. They do, yeah. I mean, it just these guys are going back at each other and fighting. And if they got into a fight, a wrestling match, and maybe someone went over and slapped each other, I would definitely have been absolutely rolling again. <laughs> Eli threw some uh, punches in terms of jokes uh, over Peyton's way. I, I also, like, learned, I feel like, more just, like, random side notes than I ever have before watching a football game. Like, Peyton was talking about how – at halftime, everyone talks about, like, oh, halftime adjustments or what was said at halftime. And he was like, there's no time at halftime. Like, but the time you get into the locker room and, you know, maybe you go to the bat, whatever you do, it's like, okay, two-minute warning, uh, you know, go get back out there. And, like, they go over, like, two plays and, like, that was it. So, Frank, do you guys, like, just go to the bathroom? They try to hy- hydrate, maybe get I mean, an IV or what? <laughs> there's a lot of things that now, considering uh, 
social media and everything else that these guys have. They're, they're more. I'm pretty sure more guys walk in the locker room and grab their cell phones. Would you really? tweet if if it was now and you were a player? Would you be the kind of player who would get on their phone and start tweeting at halftime? The monetary conversation that's behind that right now, I would say yes. And I'm just being honest with yeah. you because t typically the old school guys, that would have never happened. Um, there are just too many more avenues right now for, for, for guys to make money. And it's, and it's supposed to be accepted and allowed in some locker rooms based upon the fact that they know that we're pushing the game. We're, we're adding fans to the game. We're creating content and having, and having fan interaction in the midst of a game. There's, a, there's probably a small window when you get to do that, though. Because when the coaches start calling you guys up and they start saying, hey, 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 we need to make these adjustments. We need to do this. You need to get your together because you are getting your kicked. And that is saying something <laughs> where, you know, and, and the I guys. I guess on this podcast we're allowed to say those words. I again, know. If you want I'm just to. not. I'm not encouraging it. But, okay, you know. so I'm just going to excuse my French several <laughs> times then. So, uh, But I think that that's, that's the process. Guys get into the locker room and. Look, it is a game. It is serious, but there is a monetary value that's out there. And some guys will get into the locker room. They probably will grab their cell phones just to see what's going on. Uh, there's that's information. That's not like if you if you get, if you if you get your cell phone again. We have tablets. We yeah. have tablets when we get there, so you don't have to grab your cell phone specifically. You can look at the tablet and you can start going over the plays and you can review it because we have in time instant replay. You guys, we have stuff that we we can automatically begin to see what's taking place in the game and how a guy's defending you. So if I walked into the locker room and I thought I'd be pissed. So how do you think Taylor Luan's tablet looked on Sunday afternoon? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, more, yeah, more scribble scrabbles. And Little did we know that tweet was actually drafted at halftime, <laughs> just sent after the game. <laughs> Look, it's a, it's, a, it's a business, and there's two sides of it. What happens off the field and happens on the field. If you can balance it, that's great. But if you can't, you need to make sure you're focused because somebody, I always say it again, somebody's on the other side trying to kick your ass and you need to make sure you get your mindset ready because every the other the other 10 guys are depending on you to do your job and if yeah. you're not focused enough to do your job you're affecting our money you're affecting us winning and at the end of the day we saw the struggle just we saw the we saw how important it means to win in the last seconds we saw Monday night Thursday night we saw the games how it came down the last minutes heroics and how the guys were so excited and and it meant so much to get that W that that W means so much more um, after all the work you put in and the guys you don't want to you don't want to get guys thinking that you're not focused JV mm -hmm. if if you're sitting on the side and you're tweeting it might be Cliff talking loves to your the the cell phone breaks though remember like his first I training know. camp Jerson probably remembers they they implemented cell phone breaks and it made like national news on ESPN and people are like Cliff fraud he's not cut out this isn't texas tech and now i think he might be a little bit ahead of the curve with that well he's a, he's he's a, yeah he's in that generation i mean we're talking about one of the youngest coaches in the nfl yeah we're not talking about an old school guy who you smokes see cigarettes Cliff and he looks kind of like mr. mr cell phone i mean so he does cell it's phone. not mike mccarthy it's cliff kingsbury which he looks like like a slick iphone the way he's like put together as someone who will admittedly uh say i have an addiction to my cell phone i guess i would appreciate it it can be a distraction, but I would appreciate a coach that just, like, allows me to check my phone. You know, that's the part where you allow guys to get that moment in and then get it out. Go do what you got to do. Come back. Let's focus. Because the, the reality of it is that the attention of guys is not that long. I mean, we're talking about social media, and we're swiping right in three, one to three seconds, and we're Are just swiping. swiping. <laughs> we're swiping right. We're swiping left. We're up and down. We're scrolling. Look. If you're on Tinder, don't judge my hand on which way If you way had to pick moves, one Cardinal player that's on Tinder at halftime, swiping left and swiping right, bro, there's girls in the stands, bro. I mean, when you look, when you, you have you, when you get to the bench and you look up 
that 13th to 17th to 25th row, it's not just all dudes and with burly faces and just dressed up in cardinal outfits and stuff like Is that. Is that the section there's where some, people are flowing there's in? There's some bad bads up there in that front row, bro, bro. <laughs> and so when you get up there, you got to look and pay attention and be like, look, yeah, five, four, three, seven, eight, nine, ten. Hit me up. So you like had to spell out your numbers by hand. Bef- back Whatever in the you day. gotta, yeah, you gotta, okay. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta throw your hand signs up so they'll know, you know, who to call. You call one of the guys or one of the managers and say, "Look, right there, see her, right there, right." The no. two, one and no, not her, right there. Grab her. Fifth that row, one. fifth four row, over. fourth row over, right there. That's the one. Get her number. This is derailed. This is what's no, but that's what happens. So like when you say you're going into those segments I'm of speechless. No, I'm telling you, like this is what's happening during game time. This is what I'm saying. It is entertainment. There's a lot going on. There's a football game going on, but at the same time, I'm just letting you guys know aside. When you when you're looking at me, I'm looking back at you, and there are so many things that are going on that draws the guys' attention. Clearly, there is more going on than I ever <laughs> knew of. We're all very happy now fans are back for more reasons than one. I, yes, the, the players are definitely <laughs> happy. The single players are definitely happy that the, the stands are full now because there's uh, there's a little bit more entertainment. I wonder what would happen next to. press conference if I go uh, ask one of the single players, <laughs> hey, um, how happy are you to have the 13th through 15th rows back? <laughs> He's probably gonna ask the talent in the 13th and 15th. Yeah, the talent. If you say the talent in the 13th, 15th, he'll be like, <laughs> uh, 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 I'm here so I don't get fined. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. But it does happen, and I think that is um, watching the way these guys are right now. But you can still see that they're locked in. I mean, that's the beauty of it. You got to give a guy a pass, and if you can, if you. If if a coach can adapt in this in this modern age, we we're adapting to betting, we're adapting to so many things else in this game. We're adapting to female um, umpires on the on the on the on the on the field right now. So there's so many things we're adjusting to that's helping us grow the game. And if that's just one place where you can get guys to focus and give them a, a little break to come back and focus, I'm all good with it. Well, as ironic as it sounds, let's uh, get locked in on some other people's podcasts. Larry Fitzgerald, I'm so glad that he is doing a podcast because at least we still, you know, have a little bit of Larry in our lives, even though, you know, he's not playing. We're sort of like he's easing his way away. Um, Let's go with Tom Brady, Larry Fitzgerald and Jim Gray. I think it's a radio show and then also a podcast. Uh, He shared his reaction to the Cardinals big win over the Titans in week one, Uh, shared what he was doing while he was watching the NFL games over the weekend. And it definitely wasn't what any of us were doing. I was elated, man, to see them playing that well, to jump out in that big lead, and uh, to see Chandler get to his hunter sack, um, to be the dominant defensive player and front runner, defensive player of the year, right now was was fantastic, and you know to see Kyler be able to beat beat them with his feet and his arms, and um, you know it was it was a decisive victory, and um, you know a great team victory. So I was I was happy to see him get it done. Are you a couch potato now? What are you eating during the game when you're taking this in? <laughs> I wouldn't definitely I definitely want to consider myself a couch potato. Uh, but it was fun to be able to get a chance to watch a few of the games around the league. Um, you know, it was, it was great, you know, to see the high-flying acrobatic catches and some of the unbelievable defensive plays, you know, by, uh, you know, T.J. Watt. And, you know, I mean, there's just some phenomenal players. And uh, to be able to get a chance to watch it, you know, kind of in-depth from a distance is fun. So you're not eating during the game? Not the same things you're eating, Jim, that's for sure. What are you eating? Uh, usually I'm having a smoothie, um, you know, doing some crunches, you know, riding the Peloton, you know, just you know, the normal <laughs> stuff that everybody would be doing when they're watching a football game. 
I'm going to hop on my Peloton during a football game and, game and see how many calories I burned. Who does that? It definitely won't be Frank Sanders. I'm, I'm looking at a bucket <laughs> of chicken and some, some brewskis and, and some friends, and we're playing some dominoes and talking some trash. Who's on the grill? What's going on? This is not. But Larry's fresh out. Larry also talking about a Peloton. He's, he still might be up for contract money. Yeah. So he could get a call tomorrow and be like, you know what? I'm out of this joint. I'm, I'm now I'm no longer podcast Larry. Now I'm sitting inside of a locker room trying to figure out how to tweet in halftime. <laughs> First of all, that that hurts my heart to hear Larry talk about the Cardinals like in the third person because he's not involved with the team. Mm-hmm. Surreal watching that game Sunday. And having Larry not be a part of a Cardinal victory for the first time since 2003, it's it blows my mind. But I'm glad he's still like semi-engaged doing this kind of thing, because I think if he would just have cut the cord completely with football and gotten and gone dark, that would have been a harder transition. But the fact that he's invested, he's he's showing the team, in particular Kyler Murray, somebody he has helped you know maturate and, and mentor throughout his young career as an NFL quarterback. I think that's great to see, and I, I'm with you, Frank. I think there's an outside chance, and this is where we're going with this, this is speculatory, of course, that Larry, maybe early to mid to late October, early November, has an extended invite from the team. I mean, they've got a deep roster, but not deep where number 53 on the active roster can't be replaced by number 11. I still think it's an option. I, you know, I'm just, let me dive in that with you, too, because I like that, and I like to see it where it's more at the end of the season mm-hmm. than it would be in the middle in the early parts of the season. I think that in itself brings about that to me would bring more of a curtain call if it was a curtain call. Yeah. Instead of having to watch him grind out and he by the time we get to game eight he has seven catches or fifteen catches and I don't want to put I don't want to shortchange him like that's all he would give us but I'm just saying and it, and if and if it's just with the Cardinals that might be one thing but if he was someplace else and he's still walking in the locker room with only twenty one catches and the star guy who's been there long, at a long time, halfway, by midway point is about how many numbers you think? 58, yeah. 62 catches by that time. Mm-hmm. And then Larry's at 21 to 12 maybe. And then he's kind of, I would prefer to see him on a curtain call where, where everyone's locked in. You know you need him. He's a, he's, a, he's a viable option. And then if he wanted to do his farewell tour, tour the last couple of games, he can start pre- presenting that conversation to everybody where it's not a distraction, but yet it's still accepted amongst the players because they know that he came out of something to get into something. Well, I think we the first time we heard his comments really on, you know, his potential retirement was also on this show. And he said something along the lines of like, we'll see how I feel. I think it was in like October, November. Right. And so he's sort of by saying that left the door open for, okay, like I'll read we I'll check back in with myself. Let's yeah. say that. I'll check back in with myself, uh, reevaluate. That's what I was going for. Um, how I feel, you know, midway through the season. And that's, you're probably right. I mean, hopping on a Peloton, drinking the smoothies, doing the crunches uh, while watching football. He's Over, trying to stay under. in shape. I, Over, under. I, I would give it a better than 50% chance of happening. I also think he is unquestionably one of, if not the greatest non-quarterback postseason performers in NFL history and I think it'd be like picking up like a John Lester uh, somebody like that before the baseball playoffs where you just get an automatic ace now again he's not what he was 10-15 years ago but you get him for a stretch run playoff push in January football all he's ever done is average over 100 yards per game in the postseason he is the reason they got to the Super Bowl along with Kurt Warner the mild success that they had with Carson Palmer, the playoff game against the Packers. 
Um, I, I think you cannot dismiss that. Some players, you know, Frank, they just rise to the occasion at the biggest stage. He, he's been absolutely blessed and fortunate to do it, but he definitely has that, that extra gear that makes it seem like he, he still has something left to prove. Mm -hmm. And I would like to see him at the end. I, I think that's just a better position for him than it would be to see him now and then watch this game drag out. Do you think part of it is, okay, I want to kind of reevaluate how I feel, but then also see where the team is at come November, and then he'll make his decision? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, because this team fell off last year, and you know that wasn't necessarily Larry's fault. He had COVID, that he was reevaluating some things last year. The team was banged up. I think this is selflessly him giving an opportunity to some younger guys. Christian Kirk in the slot. Larry's position is in a contract year. He's balling 70 yards and two TDs on Sunday. Rondell Moore has an opportunity also in the slot. They've, I mean, frankly, they've got a loaded receiving core right now. We haven't seen what A.J. Green can do yet on the outside. I think this is more like, hey, if you guys need me, if I feel like it, I'm available. We'll talk, you know, later this fall. I like it. I do. I think that I agree 100% what he's talking about because the situation when he looks at, he says, my time had changed. The changing of the guards happened. Like, it happened right before I faced, even mm -hmm. when they wet the bed, you <laughs> know, the last, the last year at the end of the we'll season. We'll get that put on a T-shirt. Well, I mean, I'm okay with that. I like that. With drip, drip. Can I get the drip, drip, wet the bed on it? No. <laughs> I'm just probably – I didn't – Don't say it. I didn't mean it like that. Okay. I didn't. It is all good. It is <laughs> a all A DJ Humphreys moment, I didn't mean it like <laughs> that. Can I not wet the – but I'm just, I do agree that um, he's in a situation right now where this – Coming back here has to be something where someone had to get hurt. Either A.J. Green had to get hurt or Christian Kirk had to get hurt. Unfor I mean, I'm not wishing that. So, But it has to be something where he can e easily come in and start to implement himself in the game. Mm -hmm. If it's not that way, then we saw the change of the guards last year and D-Hops, and literally Larry turned it over. And D-Hops came and said, you pay me this money to be the guy I am. You pay me the money so I can be with Kyler for a long term. And then here we are. We're shining like the stars we're supposed to be. And I'm I'm ready I'm ready to take ownership of that. And he did that in a way that it wasn't embarrassing, it wasn't wasn't distasteful, it was classy. Graceful. It was, you know, and it just and then Larry just kinda went off how it was supposed to be. Speaking of other people's podcasts, Patrick Peterson, all things covered podcast with Pat P and Brian McFadden. Uh, here's Pat P on how he thinks he's gonna be received at State Farm Stadium on Sunday when he makes his return with his new team. How do you think your the, the the fan reception would be for you, um, knowing that there are a lot of people that still rock with you to this day, and some people kind of get things misconstrued based on some of your statements regarding certain people in the organization, mm -hmm. not the organization, not the city, not the fan base. Right. They take things and and run with it based on what they hear, not actually listening. But how do you think you know you will be received uh, when you step back on the football field there in Arizona? I have no idea, Matt. I really, really don't. <laughs> like it's gonna be, it's gonna be all new to me. You know what I mean. So I really don't know what to expect. You know, mm -hmm. so for the most part, I'm treating this like a regular game. You know what mm -hmm. I mean. I don't too high. I don't want to get too low. I want to treat this literally. No like question. A don't get too high. Exactly. Yeah. Don't get too high because sometimes we get too high. Kind of takes the focus off the what you yeah. need to do. So, yeah, like a regular game. Have a great week of preparation. Go to Arizona just like we was going to Cincinnati. I think Pat P wants to say more, which I'm surprised that he still like does a podcast mid season. I feel like he wants to say more and one day he will, but he's sort of like tempering things. I play golf with Pat. I play golf all summer. 
until he actually left to go to Minnesota and many, many opportunities. We talked about some things on why he thought he, it was time for him to leave. And my question is, and is the defense the team that they're going to call out this weekend? Or will it be the offense that they'll call out for the Minnesota Vikings? Because typically I think it's our offense to be called out this week and then our defense and then their defense will be called out. Because that's the only way he's going to hear the booze. If it's not, you know, that's the only way he'll really hear. I, you are shameful, shameful fan if you boo Patrick Peterson. I will, I will go out on a limb. I, I'm disappointed with how he left Arizona. I wish he would handle his, his trade demands like Chandler Jones, where he just goes out, puts his head down, and, and balls. Um, I, I love that Patrick is outspoken. If 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 you are a fan and you can't recognize the ten years of greatness and potential Hall of Fame credentials that he put together. For this organization, I'm just – it's very – that will be very disappointing. I'm going to slide across this table and tell you exactly what you told me last week. Frank, if you take a consensus of the room, of the fans, and what That's I'm getting, true. I'm just going to let you know off the top, the fans will not accept the conversation you just gave them. They're going to boo the out of him. And why they're going to boo the S out of him is because they remember the guy that they're going to say that got, the, got all that money – and then at the end of the day, he was giving up touchdowns. He was doing these things. He was doing that. And unfortunately, he left in the same situation where Suspended. it wasn't it wasn't a good situation. It looked like he was not giving all his effort. Now I'm a in the locker room, I love Pat P. I want Pat P. But I'm gonna do what you did to me last week. And I'm just gonna say, Let's what's take your return? The high on road, that bird one? gang. All right. Recognize all right. that Byron <laughs> Murphy right now is a better player than Patrick Peterson. That's not arguable. Patrick Peterson had a Lesser PFF grade than Byron Murphy. Patrick Peterson didn't go up against A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Okay. It's not our problem, right? We're not, not paying problem. him $7 million. Dollars. So we're, let's welcome him back. Let's, let's, let's cheer him when he comes out, and then let's beat the brakes off Minnesota. That, that's what the expectations should be, but I'm with you. I, I do think he'll be booed. You guys, <laughs> I agree. I, I, I'm booed crap out I, of Well, yeah, I mean, I agree. <laughs> I, I think the Cardinals were kind of the ones that chose to part ways with him because they didn't want to pay him the money that he wanted. And um, I don't know that fans were necessarily super upset about it. Um, there are some things that happen with Patrick Peterson over the course of, I guess, the ending of his uh, career here in Arizona that left a bad taste in people's mouths. Um, but also I think there's some some people that just understand that, like, this is how it goes. Like you said, it's no longer a problem. So I don't know. He'll probably get a little bit of both. Um, but did you guys hear the, the Josh Gordon news? Um, he's apparently finished uh, his latest program and is waiting for Roger Goodell to reinstate him. What do you think the over-under is? You mean is Smokey? On, on <laughs> You mean Smokey? Smokey Gordon? Yeah. You, let me put it oh. to you this way. Do not <laughs> bet Smokey? Do not bet your free $200 <laughs> via the DraftKings app that Josh Gordon will be a member of the Arizona Cardinals. There are much better ways to do that. DraftKings, promo code PHNX, rather than put it on the Cardinals this weekend, the money line plus minus, I believe, three and a half right now. Again, do not put your money on Josh Gordon coming. I was to the just Cardinals. gonna ask you if you think that there will be at some point a a chance to bet on whether or not he's gonna get picked up by eighteen. Oh, okay. Um it's a long season. <laughs> Seventeen games. It only takes one of thirty two. I would say better than fifty percent chance, yes, that he gets picked up by somebody. Because at the end of the day, teams feel like, hey, I can take a flyer, pay this guy event minimum money. If something happens, I can cut bait. No one's gonna, you know, give me grief for it. 
Seattle tried to last year. They've got a loaded receiving yeah. core. It's it, you know, honestly, his situation is by far one of the most merciful and gracious situations you can probably find in NFL history. And I mean, from a guy that's struggling with something and it's affecting the team. Teams are giving him time after chance, chance after chance after chance after chance. I don't think we've seen anything like it. And I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, it's it's and it's it's Marvel that even Roger Roger Goodell has to he has to sit and say, if I give him this chance, am I hurting him? And I think that is um, it is that is the beauty part. That's the beautiful part of the league that yeah. it believes in you, believes in your talent, and it believes that one moment or one situation might be able to change you and help you. And then there's another part of the league that says we're covering up something that seems to be a consistency. And the over-under on that, that's going to be – that's that's really on him. And it takes nothing more than a video to see this guy running a 4-2-1 out in some place with some tights on and a little Speedo shirt <clears throat> and catching balls one-handed, foot mm-hmm. 6'4", 225-pound receiver that runs lightning. That, it takes no more than the eye of a, a scout to say, shit, I want that. And all we we can get maybe one week or two weeks. That's, that's right. all we need. It's not hard to say run that way, and it's not hard to say run that way, but it's damn sure hard to try to re- recall plays that you know red right split right two two over dragon dog leg left. Yeah, that is just you probably you probably can't remember that. But hey, get on the outside dog run that way, and if you're open, I'll throw it that way. Well, that's kind of how teams have been utilizing him over the, like yeah. the last few years. But like his nickname Flash, he's gone in a flash, and. Um, <laughs> We don't hear from him until this time, until this time, like the the, the following year or two, when he's trying to get reinstated. Uh, Anyway, we don't need to. uh, But it's a beautiful thing that the NFL does that, though, for him. I agree. I agree. But uh, to your point, too, I think maybe it's to the point where it might be like sort of enabling. So they got to consider that. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe, Johnny, at some point you'll uh, write an article about uh, whatever team decides or doesn't decide to pick him up. if you decide to become a member at gophnx.com, you'll be able to read that article, anything else that Johnny decides he's going to write uh, <laughs> on the Cardinals. Um, we've got member-only deals right now um, on our merchandise, phnxlocker.com. Uh, you're going to get access to our members-only Discord where you can chat it up with us outside of the BS on social media. If you love what you're doing over here, want to do, want to support us, we do have another uh, promo going on right now. You get a free T-shirt uh, or your first month for just 50 cents, depending on which option you choose. All right, Derrick Henry, fantasy owners, uh, they're probably bummed uh, after he was held to just 58 yards rushing. Zero touchdowns on Sunday. Well, Chase Edmonds had 63 yards on 12 carries, and James Conner had 53 yards on 16 carries. Guys loved what I saw out of the duo. Um, something that uh, Cardinals' Chase Edmonds was asked about was the importance of what they do in the run game when the Cardinals are up like they were on Sunday uh, and, um, you know, to be able to keep them up. So here he is. And that's something that me and James talked about literally on the sideline. I think it was uh... – Right after the second, right after we scored that, when we hit 31, I believe, we, I was talking to him, I said, man, this is our time. You know, we got to really grind these guys out. We got to get some first downs and just continue to tire them out, lean on these boys and, and take it home. And that's something that me and James take pride of, man. Me and him, we play with a huge chip on our shoulder. We kind of know what the outside world and the media is saying with us and everything like that. Just continue to just lean on one another and continue to go out there and grind, man. And it's, that's all it's about, finding ways to just figure out to have one more point than the other opponent. Obviously, you know, you keep going down the season and games get longer and, you know, you go into December, November, uh, January. The teams that can run the football and really have stout defense and hold teams in the second half, those are the ones you see in the playoffs. So, obviously, again, it's something for us to just build on 
every single week, week in and week out on the run game. The one message we're really trying to start in this building right now is that it was just one week, just a starting point, kind of just like Cliff said. You know, last year we got off to a decent start. We were, I think, 2-0, and and then we blew one week three. So, um, again, we're just trying to take this one week at a time, one game at a time, figure out our next opponent, figure out how we can beat the Minnesota Vikings and, and keep moving forward. There's a lot to unpack there. First off, what what is the media saying about Chase Edmonds and James Conner that would be perceived as negative? Uh, Chase Edmonds is, has been back up for most of his career since he since he got here. Little known fact, I actually called his name on draft day. Oh, nice for the Cardinals up off of Route 66 when he was. Oh, I remember drafted. that. I was like, you, and what the pick in the draft? The Cardinals will take <laughs> Chase Edmonds running back. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I did that so. But I think that uh, I've always liked what he brought to the table. I just think that if we watch our season, how it worked out and how it looked, um, he never really got a chance. And then when they went and got Kenyon Drake and he became the spark, it just changed the entire offense. It changed the narrative of giving him the ball, um, uh, uh, giving him the ball behind what Kenyon was already doing. Then they paid Drake the money. So the guy that's got the money, you're going to show him the rock more than you're going to show anything else. And then James Conner, I mean, he hasn't been healthy most of his career. He looked like he wanted to be a Le'Veon Bell when he left Pittsburgh, and then and not, he just didn't. He just injury after injury just plagued him. So they haven't proven themselves much. And I do add to this notation is that the yards we saw the other day was primarily because Cliff kept calling the running game. Yeah, he kept trying to keep a balance and keep those guys involved. Normally he goes away from it, and he's done that in the past. We've gone away from the running game, and on downs that seem like you should be running the ball or managing the clock. And I think he did a, a fabulous job of that, and the guys put their bodies on against Tennessee like they said they did. I guess I just got – I get stuck in my Arizona bubble sometimes because I felt like the Cardinals needed to move on from Kenyon Drake, and I thought that Chase Edmonds and, and James Conner, um, regardless of what you just said, were was an improvement. I would totally agree. And fantasy enthusiasts hate the Cardinals' backfield because they want – a prototypical bell cow yep. that they can lean on every week, a la Derrick Henry. Everybody, including myself, wanted certain Steeler running back now who didn't do much over the weekend and, and Najee Harris. What I can tell you is I'm right with you, Chirsten. Last year, Kenyon Drake, too much outside. He, he wasn't squaring up his shoulders to hit the hole. Now you've got a combination of two backs that are hungry, that are playing for, I don't want to mess with the guy's money, but they're playing for almost nothing at the position, and that's what wins in the NFL. Last year, Tampa Bay had a bell cow, or excuse me, did not have a bell cow. They had Leonard Fournette, they had Ronald Jones, not paying much to them. year before that, Kansas City, uh, Damian Williams, a bunch of spare parts, mm-hmm. they won the Super Bowl. That's Absolutely. what's sustainable in the NFL. You have to have a couple different guys who do certain things well, you don't want to have the Ezekiel Elliott situation where you're paying somebody like $15 million. The Cardinals need to take that money and allocate it elsewhere at the positions that matters, and we saw it on Sunday. Where'd they allocate that? The defensive line of scrimmage with J.J. Watt, who performed, Chandler Jones, he performed. You start paying running backs, you become too top-heavy. I think what they bring from a receiving standpoint, Chase has worked on that exceptionally well since his first year to now. He's going to look up every Sunday, and he may not have 150 yards rushing, but he'll have 50, 60, 70 yards rushing with like 50, 60 yards receiving, and that's just as good. And then you've got James Conner, who brings a physical presence that they have not had at the running back position maybe since like Edron James, somebody who really can square up. Great we name, saw this. Paul. We yeah, we saw the stiff Edwin arm on James. Sunday. <laughs> the fact that they were so putrid last year in short yardage situations, and I know they weren't faced with a ton of those Sunday. 
But that's really something to watch for. His physical presence, where you can get him in there. I mean, he's six one and a half. He's a big guy. We've yeah. seen him at Cards Camp. He's going to change the dimension of this team. I'd love to see Kyler get under center and, and do a straight drop back to James on short yardage. But I, I love what they have, in part because it's economically sound from a salary cap standpoint. I just think the guys complement each other well. So he did mention, and, and actually just in the last few days, the Cardinals continued to mention, hey, it's just week one. We can't get ahead of ourselves. I found found myself not not sitting there saying, oh, the Cardinals are going to go to the Super Bowl, but just getting like really excited about all the individual storylines, all the guys that had good games, all the guys that returned from injury. Um, I mentioned Corey Peters was one of my favorite storylines. He was one of the feel-good stories from Sunday um, he ruptured his patellar tendon late in the season, had to have surgery. The guy didn't get signed until August, I think, 2nd, so just a, or 4th, a little over a month ago. Um, so he also spoke with reporters today, and he was asked, was he um, expecting to be ready for week one and just how it was to be back? You know, when I had surgery, um, what we talked about was potentially being ready for week one. Um, and what that looked like, we weren't exactly sure if that means, yeah, you're clear to play, but you haven't been able to prepare. Um, but I've been very pleased with the process. You know, I feel like I had time to um, condition and then work my way back into things, and I'm happy with where I am. As a player, having a season-ending injury, having to go through an entire offseason and the offseason that you did, not signing a contract till camp, just everything that you, you went through, um, you know, how was that whole process? And then to go out and have a game, you know, like week one, probably couldn't have asked for a, a better, you know, welcome back. Um, it was incredibly difficult. Obviously, um, you know, when you have a major injury, um, a lot of the process is take a step forward, take two steps backwards. So it can be very frustrating, very much so a roller coaster of emotions. Um, obviously, with the contract situation, not being on a team, obviously that creates more stress. But it really just gave me an opportunity to kind of just focus on myself and what I needed to do to get back stronger, get healthy again. Um, and so I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, and, you know, having an opportunity to come back here, um, I was ecstatic about that. And, you know, now that the season has started, um, we were able to get off to a good start. So, you know, I think that excitement is only building. Um, and now we're looking forward to Minnesota. So remember, he, he had to basically have a tryout during camp to even wow. be on this mm -hmm. team. So, again, just uh, he is a big part of what they're doing. Cardinals are lucky to have him, and, and he's thrilled to be here. He is Jordan Phillips Insurance, and so far Jordan has not shown up. And that's been one of the most unfortunate developments of really the past two seasons that Jordan Phillips signed this big bloated contract in last spring, uh, two springs ago, I should say, and has been MII. And he was MIA all training camp, so much so that Corey had interest from other teams and chose to come back and try out with, with his club to be a part of what they're doing. And I was so excited for him on, on Sunday. He played so much more than I, I thought he would. I mean, for a guy, he's not coming off his couch in the sense that he's out of shape. Clearly, he's kept himself in phenomenal shape. But to just kind of bypass all team activities until late August and then, oh, by the way, here's week one against Tennessee and you're playing like 60% of the snaps – it was unbelievable. Look, every older player like me, and I'll say that former player, older player, 
looks at guys and their training habits and their regiments right now, and be like, that's some bullshit, bro. <laughs> like, he don't even get to play. He doesn't practice. He doesn't do anything. He's just on a cycle. Work smarter, not harder. I mean, yeah, that's great now, but I'm like, <laughs> so we worked even harder and thought we were smarter. But, like, it's like now, and it's just – it's mind blowing in the technology. It's mind blowing in the, how these guys. And he talked about the mental roller coaster, not having a contract. He allowed us to see certain things that happen emotionally and mentally about these guys individually, and they have to buy have to buy and believe in themselves that they can come back and overcome that. And there's one step forward, two steps back, especially with an Achilles. That is, I've seen Andre Wadsworth go front one leg, and then and one week before we released him to go back to practice, he blew the other one out. So it's not an easy process, and. I just marvel at like, some, of the, some of the way these guys are still able to perform and go out and play knowing that they didn't do or put the work in like we called ourselves old grunts putting that work in. Again, I'm a wide receiver. I'm a flamboyant C guy. So I'm not in there tackling and banging every day. I'm not going out like I was the guy doing the grunt work. But I'm just saying I was there having to be there to watch these guys. So I was pissed having to watch fat boys do fat boy stuff. <laughs> I want to be doing the cutesy stuff on the outside, catching the ball, dipping and dipping and running the routes. I want to do that stuff. But, look, it's an testament. And he's another guy reaping the benefits of having two studs on the outside of him, mm -hmm. though. Having J.J. freeze him up going one-on-one. -on -one. The same thing having, having your boy C.J. on the other side freeze him up. So that is a good thing for him. And hopefully – the other guy will show up and realize that, hey, Where man, are you, it, Jordan? We want you, you to play. If we, you don't we show up. We want to watch you play well. You had nine and a half sacks two years ago. What happened to that? And that, that will be seen as the season goes because these other guys, they're going to call him on his carpet. Bro, you got paid. What's up? I don't you even know if dough. we know Let's what go. he went on IR for. I haven't seen it. They, I don't think they've released that. He might be taking mental days, and we just don't know. Well, I mean, he used to go hang out with Malcolm Butler then. <laughs> Maybe he should. I don't know. I have, yeah, I have no idea <laughs> what's, what's actually going on with him or, or Malcolm Butler. You, you still keep in touch with Andre? I do. I see. Him, I see. I see a lot of the guys every now and then. Andre's still in the valley. He has a church that he developed over in North Scottsdale. Yeah. He's pretty busy. His wife is Subin. They got beautiful kids. They look like they a power couple. <laughs> One six foot five and two hundred and some pounds, and Subin's like six foot four model with the perfect ninety seven thirty two teeth. It's absolutely <laughs> amazing. So, but they I are great people. Means. Well, she's got just a beautiful smile. You know, as a model, you, know, you got the perfect thirty twos. You know what I mean? A 28s, a 27s, how many of you got? Just the Frankisms that will just oh, chalk we'll, that up we'll, right Oh, we'll work it out. We'll, we'll work it out down the road. It's locker room talk. So, hey, Chisholm, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we move on here. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, Johnny, I so I, I downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Good. I placed my $1 bet. Nice. And I've got this $200 in free bets waiting in my account. I'm, okay. like, somewhat afraid – to use it like i just don't want to like it's like my first time yeah. i don't really want to like make the wrong bets mm -hmm. but i came across week two specials here chandler jones plus 1000 to record four or more sacks this yeah. week and kyler murray plus 500 to have five or more combined passing touchdowns and rushing touchdowns um i feel like those are probably not the ones to go with you know as much as i would love to see them replicate last week's performance if i had to pick either i would pick kyler murray's on a tear right now joe burrow just tore apart minnesota like i could if, if i woke up monday and saw he had five touchdowns it would not surprise me chandler after what happened replicating that because all week, and Frank knows this, they're going to say, we got to get help to the left and right tackle. Yep. We cannot let Chandler Jones beat us. Now, he might still get one or two, but four is asking a lot. So there are other areas. 
which off air I can recommend we dabble in, you know, over under passing yards for Kyler Murray, something I would look into. Maybe first touchdown scored, Christian Kirk on a little bit of a tear. Um, you know, everybody thinks this week that it's the Hopkins versus Peterson show, so you're probably not going wrong with with his over under for both touchdowns and, and receiving yards. So different different ways you could go. I would steer away from both of those though. Okay. Good to know. Uh, winners and losers of week one. Frank, do you have your winner and your loser? Uh, mine is James, Jameson Winston, without a doubt. Jameson Winston. Yeah, 30 for 30. Mr. 30 for 30. Did you just add? <laughs> did I, did it's Jameis. Jameis. Jameson. Jameson Winston. He's been we drinking. know where your head's at. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. But Jamie Jamie Winston. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm you just, just called Jay at this point. Yeah, but uh, he is definitely my guy. Um, Mr. 30 for 30. Sat behind one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. He sat and it took it. He just, no one knew. He didn't even know. He had to compete and go fight for the job this year. Um, to walk, in the, walk into a neutral site and have to play and then still but face the great Aaron Rodgers, Mr. MVP, and you go out there and you just do your job and not be the guy that we thought had seen over the years with his antics and stuff like that. He's my winner. And then I think uh, he said some stuff at the end of the game that was pretty on point how they did that in return for to the city, that's maturity. That's maturation in some areas. We did that. We got this win, and we was lucky to get this win or grateful to get this win versus a really good team for the city and the people of New Orleans because Hurricane Ida just came through. There's a lot of people still back in New Orleans watching the game, and they, they need us for emotional support. Emotional, you know, that, that to me is some sense of growth and – Five touchdowns ain't nothing to sweat. You know, it's just not. I bet no one took that bet. I bet that wasn't an over under. Not me. In regards to that conversation, you thought he was going to dominate against so. Aaron Rodgers. I didn't. So, but to me, I think that is. I want to see him keep doing it. He could be an MVP candidate conversation wise in that offense if he keeps if he keeps replicating how he's doing right now. Johnny, a winner this week, I would say. Derek Carr last night, Monday Night Football, kicking off the opening of I think it's Allegiant Stadium for the Las Vegas Raiders. I've got a soft spot for Derek because I think he faces a lot of what Kyler Murray <coughs> faces. Go ahead. <laughs> that that he has to carry. Oh, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> Bullshit. I do it again. <laughs> yeah, he has to carry an organization that sometimes can't get out of their own way. Derek's defense not particularly good. He's got some inconsistent skill players. Like to see him have his moment last night, beating a, a, a Minnesota. Excuse me, a, a Baltimore team that's consistently in the playoffs. Yeah. The, the Raiders and the Cardinals have a lot of similarities in which last year high, high-powered high offenses fell apart at the end, didn't get in the playoffs. Uh, Derek Carr, to me, is one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks. It was good to see him win last night. Good call. Wait, who was your loser? Do I get to pick one now? I would say probably in that same game, Lamar Jackson, who fumbled twice on his final two possessions that led to touchdowns for the Raiders. Uh, our producer Shane knows for a fact on our bet show that I picked the Ravens to be a regression candidate this year. It was expedited last night. The Ravens, to me, they've got talent, but, again, they've lost too many players to injury. And I put this out on Twitter last night. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. If midseason the Ravens have fallen apart, Lamar Jackson, they're out of the postseason race, certain defensive lineman named Calais Campbell's on a one-year contract for them, I wouldn't mind shipping a pick, bringing him back to Arizona for the stretch run. But that's going a little bit out on the ledge there. How about you, Chase? Uh, well, I wanted to – producer Shane, do you got anything? Do you have a winner or a loser? Okay. Um, my winner is probably the Seattle Seahawks defense. Seattle Seahawks defense. Okay. My loser is the Jaguars. They look like the worst team in the NFL. Mm. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, that was embarrassing for the for the Jaguars. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that one. Okay, so my winner is um, basically all NFL coaches. So I found out today hmm. that the league has ended requiring head coaches to do conference calls with reporters covering the uh, upcoming opponent. So they don't they no longer have to do the phone call with the other team's reporters, which I've only actually ever been a part of when I... So apparently it was the Broncos beat reporters were the ones that discovered it because they wanted to talk to Urban Meyer because he was a loser in week one. Um, so, and they were the ones that figured this whole thing out. So there was no official announcement. The only time I've ever been on a call with uh, like the opposing coach was actually while I was covering the Broncos in Colorado. Um, so it's not like a huge thing for rep- most reporters, I would say, but, um, there, I can tell you there is nothing, uh, probably more annoying to head coaches. Cause here's the thing. And I, I noticed this when I was covering the Suns during, uh, their playoff run when like national media starts coming in and it's like, dude, we've been asking since like preseason about, their bubble run last year and how that's helped prepare the team, you know, for this year and got them closer. And now we're in the NBA finals and you're still talking about Mm. what happened in the bubble last year. And so that's probably for like head coaches, it's like probably the, a way B reporters ask the same questions that they've already answered a million times. So that's why I say NFL coaches are the real winners. I thought that was pretty – I'm surprised to even hear that information. I didn't know anything about that. So, But I'm going to ask a question for you guys just because you guys are in the media all the time. You guys are always dealing with players or you're dealing with other media people from different places. My question is, is it, is it an unspoken rule that you're supposed to share your information with the other team or another reporter from some place? Or <clears throat> is it frowned upon that you don't share? If you be like, hell no, nah, I came to the locker room, I got up, I did all the work, so – no, I'm not. Somebody might say, "Hey, what do you think? What What did Pat P say? Or what did What did What did D Hop say in the meeting when you guys were there?" And you're like, "I'm not." I'll defer to Cheerson on that. With this. With people who like, for instance, if I was if I'm in the like, media from Denver and I'm not, oh, and I'm not there. Denver. Like since since we can't do coaches of the other team, and they they might know something that I don't know. I'm asking so as a person who are, you guys are in the media and you guys are back and forth with different people, different phone calls and stuff like that. Is it frowned upon that you? Are you supposed to share your information? If I call from WDNX from some place over some some city in Texas, Midland, Texas, and I say, "Hey, little light, Miss Terrence, what you find out <laughs> over there and over that? What what did what did Cliff say about that? You know that team? Are you gonna share with me? Are you supposed to share with me or not?" So I would say the dynamic isn't necessarily like that, but there is a pretty close knit dynamic within reporters. Okay. Um, or within the media. So, for instance, if somebody like you know from Denver was asking about like if it was the Cardinals and the Broncos, and I was in the press box, like usually we kind of like pick each other's brains a little okay. bit, just like I would if I was at practice. And there was a lot of the times, you know, there's there's there are people that work for the Cardinals and stuff like that. Those are some of my favorite people to have conversations with. And I'll just say, what do you think about, you know, Kyler Murray? What do you think about, you know, the running backs to see just whatever, you know, whatever. And I just listen to what they have to say. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the media dynamic is like that, where you kind of just pick everybody's brain. Now I, now you wouldn't like call over there and say, Hey, give me like all, all of your like one-on-one interviews so that I can use them or anything like that. (laughs) But the dynamic is, is like, is 
is pretty close knit. Okay, cool bean. I thought it was gonna be like a kick your butt. Cutthroat man. Yeah. Yeah, cut Don't throat, use bro. that soundbite. No. Yeah, you better you source me on this. Because we're all really <clears throat> hard workers, and okay. like we 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 really do. We like work really hard, and so I think there's a mutual respect in in that regard of. And that's why you, you know, form friendships and things like that. And then you don't have to, you know, then it's just two friends talking. Uh, Coaches okay. are the winners. My loser would be Titans kicker Michael Badgley. So he was released or just waived like you yesterday. Said. You said it, Jay. Johnny Fax yeah. said Guess that. who they signed to replace so him. She'll tell you. Why, why don't you tell us? Mm-hmm. I, I, out with the old and with Zane Gonzalez, correct? The former Arizona Cardinal kicker. Zane Gonzalez. They were- I thought Charlotte signed him. Oh, maybe maybe not then. Maybe I fumbled through that. Shane? Shane, Fact can you checker tell us? Shane. Well, what I can tell you is Badgley was with the team for like three or four days. So he missed an extra point and a field goal, and he's out. So. All right. Yeah, no. I thought it was Carol. Yeah, put the I actually don't it. know that they signed anyone, so I was gonna let you like break the news because I was like, I don't, no, I don't, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> in on Tennessee after this week. I don't have to look at that team. Look, Mike Vrabel has no problem going for it on fourth down. He has no problem going for it on fourth down. And there is a statistical fact for some one of the coaches, high school coaches that did that number. You guys know the story, like probably better not do it. Look, he said, forget kicking. My percentage of my my chance of doing better. And giving my ch- a team another chance mentality-wise is saying it's not just three and out. We got four downs to try to get a first down, to try to get a touchdown. And sometimes Mike Vrabel has no problem with literally going foot on fourth down. He has no problem with it. Well, he has problems when he doesn't go for it on fourth down <laughs> and the kicker misses the field goal, apparently. Yeah. The That's what I thought. Okay. That's fine. That's right. it's, isn't it okay to oh, yeah. oh, almost midweek? You don't have a kicker for your oh, yeah. Sunday game? Absolutely. <laughs> you pick a kicker up in a heartbeat. I told you, I don't. I, what did I say? They play Seattle this like weekend, kickers. though, so we, need, <laughs> so we need them to find a competent kicker so they can win that game. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, another good show. Frank Sanders, Johnny Venerable, producer Shane, and for myself. We'll see you back here tomorrow.